0: Hello and welcome to episode number nine of the How To Hobby Podcast. I'm your host, John Power, joined once again by the man himself. The table man is what we're calling him now. Sean Bennett.
1: How are you doing? I am doing great. I uh, For the listeners out there, I made a live edge walnut coffee table this weekend. That's a new hobby I've picked up as woodworking.
0: Man, it never ceases to surprise me. The things you get into, Sean, the listeners are just as surprised as I am. I have to live (laughs) vicariously through your efforts. They're, they're intoxicating you. you, First it's candles. Now it's tables. What are you going to get into next?
1: I don't even know. I'm I'm on summer break right now, so I don't have any class. I, uh, I have three months to figure out what I want to do with my life. I am considering getting into archery. That's something that I'm, I'm kind of pushing right now is uh, maybe getting into some compound archery so that's that's maybe one of the new hobbies I pick up
0: sounds like a plan to me maybe we can hit the range I'll uh I'll bring my my throwing knives and uh it'll it'll be a good time um so for all you listeners out there welcome to the podcast this is the how-to hobby podcast and Sean and I just we enjoy talking to each other about hobbies so welcome if you haven't heard we do have an instagram how to hobby podcast so follow us on that if you have some time I'm sure you do and then send us a line at at our gmail account how to hobby podcast at gmail.com we'll answer your questions Sean is watching it like a hawk and we're just enjoying the experience of being uh, podcasters in this space it's been great to hear from some of you guys and I I do want to let you know we do have a website as well. So how to hobby check us out on that as well. That's like, that's probably our main thing. Wouldn't you say Sean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely where we'll keep access to everything that we have. The, you can access the contact us page you can access to the Instagram. Uh, we're, we're about to get into the Twitter game. So like, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting expanding. out there. <laughs> we're <expanding, laughs> but yeah. Please, please check out our website. I spent, uh, a lot of time working on the website so go go check out that go check it out and let me know how
0: it looks that masterpiece it's it's almost as good as your live edge oak table (laughs) but um i can't say for sure yet because i haven't seen the table i need to come over again i need to smell the candles now and i need to check out and feel the live edge of the table and i'm sure that will be uh, a great bonding experience
1: for me and the table not not you no, no, you come over and get intimate with my table, John. You do it. <laughs> uh, so tonight,
0: listeners, I'm sure you're curious about what we're getting into tonight. Maybe, you know, maybe you don't. But we're going to be continuing something that we got into a little bit. Earlier in this season, at the beginning of the show, we went through camping. It's one of Sean and I's favorite hobbies. We love it. In fact, we're even planning a trip together. That's how much we enjoy it. But tonight, we are getting into backpacking. It is something something else we love. In fact, I have a big 40-mile trip coming up the end of this year, Sean, in September. I've been planning it. And oh, man, am I getting excited. This just really got me going. You saw me on the show notes. I was just going just, to
1: town. Just,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, and you were going, man, John, slow down. This is a little bit too much. I don't know if the listeners can... Can take all this knowledge
1: in. So it is. It is a lot of knowledge, and I'm going to preface that backpacking is a passion of mine, but it's something I haven't touched in a few years. So some of my information might be a little outdated. But uh, John will fill in the blanks where I might be missing some stuff.
0: No, Sean, you are <laughs> an expert in your own right. In fact, you fill in my blanks. That's that's the way it goes, man. So yeah, let's let's get into it. We do have a pack show. So we're going to go through our normal form, right, Sean? We have what you need, how to get it, and how to get out and do it. So it's it pretty much follows, follows the formula for success when it, when it comes to starting a new hobby, I'd say. So we're going to start with what you need to get going. Sean, let's go through the must-have things first.
1: Yeah. So as with, you'll find a lot of the hobbies that we talk about, but specifically the ones where camping, hiking, uh, uh, mending those, like merging those two to do backpacking. The most important thing is to have a plan this is super crucial. This is not something you can just wing unless you're an expert and you do this all the time and you, you know, the gear, you know, the areas, but in general, for someone who's just kind of getting into this, or maybe someone who's still new to this, definitely a plan is the most important part of starting a backpacking trip.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. You really cannot go anywhere without planning how you're going to get there and what you're going to do and a lot of times with backpacking this is actually going to lead into our next point and it's know your mileage um this is something that kind of goes hand in hand with mapping your route you want to know how much your mileage is going to be and how long the time it will be to complete it because time is going to vary depending on the elevation gain you're getting you can't just throw a, throw a random dart at a map and have it fall out this perfect route. Um, because you could be in the middle of the Himalayas and that wouldn't be too fun. So, um, I mean, I think for most of us, we're, we're pretty casual when it comes to where and how, but we are, I'm doing the Timberline trail coming up here, Sean, in September, and that's actually going to be 40 miles and it's pretty intense. It's actually a 10,000 foot elevation over the course Brutal. of of four days, so, yeah, I mean it's not gonna be the easiest thing, but um it's it's gonna be fun, and that's the important part, right? know your fun um but yeah, so anything to add about knowing your mileage or your route,
1: yeah, I think beyond picking a trip that Like, you know, like you, for example, John, you know, Timberline, it's 41 miles. This is the elevation gain. I think before you get into trying to figure out what routes to do one start small, but two, know your mileage that you can handle, So not just (laughs) necessarily the mileage of a trip, but let's say, you know, a a trip like John's doing is 41 miles. I think you're probably shooting. If you're doing a loop, you're probably doing about 10 miles a day is your goal.
0: Yeah, that's, that's you're right on the money. Okay. Yeah. Okay, if not perfect. a little bit more, um, okay. because we want to be done on the fourth day, like pretty early. So, yeah.
1: yeah. So like knowing that you can don a heavy backpack and still walk 10 miles up and down terrain, that is as crucial as knowing the route itself. So if you get out on the trail, and four or five miles in, you're starting to fail, your feet are hurting, or your back starting to go out. You remember, you still have four to five miles back to the trailhead. <laughs> so that's right. You know, the, <laughs> there's, that's, that's definitely something to think about is not only know the mileage of the trip, but know the mileage you can handle. And there's various ways you can practice that. You can wear a pack and walk around your neighborhood, see how much mileage you can do, do local trails with your, your gear, things like that. But that's, that's important is, you know, map your route, know your mileage, know what you can handle hundred
0: percent. Yeah, that was a great addition. Thank you, man. Uh, so let's talk about some of the ways that they can map the route. There's some really awesome resources today uh, for mapping routes prior to starting. Um, and they'll, they'll get you a GPX file out. Um, and yet yeah, you can put that in your GPS or uh, whatever, whatever device you may be using for navigation. I, I usually just go with the map personally. I have the, I usually get the map. the the physical map and have Mm -hmm. a compass, um, so that I'm not hundred percent reliant on technology and it can be kind of fun too, to have that sort of up against you. Um, but I use Cal which I know is one of the biggest ones. They have an app, a great website, and it keeps getting better and better. Uh, I don't know if you've used that one, Sean, but I highly recommend it for they'll, they'll give you the elevation profile, the terrain, uh, map. And travel time, you can kind of save them offline again. Export as a uh various, let's see, uh KML, which is Google Earth, GPX, which is handheld GPSs, and then some plug-in for older garments. So they pretty much have everything, they have the whole thing covered um for you. And it's just really nice. You can also change the layer of the map. So whether it's um, like they have like the standard Cal Topo, but they have everything from like the Forest Service map to street maps. It's I mean, it's really in-depth. So if you haven't been on there, Sean, I recommend checking that one out for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I have not checked out. I've used mytopo.com. It's similar, but uh, MyTopo is a little bit more old school where they don't they, you can do some digital and online maps. But most of what MyTopo does is printed maps. And they're mainly like topographic or satellite maps. This was recommended. I went out to Northern Utah last winter and took a, a lane navigation course. So I learned how to use the compass at Azimuths, uh, understand USGS grid lines, and, and learn all of that. And Very my topo is cool. one of the ones that, that they recommended. Uh, it's definitely not as advanced as Cal topo, So I'll throw that out right now. But if you're someone who maybe wants to get into uh, orienteering, or maybe you want to get into you know, like old school camping, backpacking, or hiking, mytopo.com is a great place to go. You can go and buy topographical maps of your area. You can include private property, public property, all that stuff. And uh, they'll include everything you need. Really, really cool resource too. But something you should probably... I would recommend you take a class in, or at least dedicate some time on YouTube or on forums to learn how to read a topographical map. Because that will really help in planning your trip. Or if you happened for me to get lost. You can understand what the map says. That's great.
0: Well, let's jump into our our third point for the the must-have section, and it's part of the the plan, the planning stage, and that's know your weight. We kind of mentioned it. It kind of goes along with what Sean was saying when he said know your your mileage and and how much you can do with a full load on your back, because that's kind of important to understand the level of effort that you're going to need and So knowing your weight, whether it's car versus backpacking related items, and that's kind of how I want to break it down, because there's a lot of cross pollination between the two car and backpacking. And it can be a little bit confusing when you go online and you're looking for specific gear. You definitely want to pay more attention to weights and technical specs when you're planning a backpacking trip, because those ounces do add up. And you can, I mean, between water and sometimes you have to have a bear canister, which a bear canister in itself is two and a half pounds, then all your food, uh, it's, it it adds up very, very quickly. Uh, and again, I always stress more water than less. So it's one of those things, just be mindful of, we don't need to talk about it too much, but get an idea, jot down in a notebook, how, what all of your items that you're going to bring are and the associated weights. I've done this for a number of trips. Now I kind of have an idea once I've, once you get more experienced with going out there, you know, your gear and you know how much you can carry. And if you can bring one more beer in your backpack, um, but starting off, it's going to be a little bit harder to know. So jotting down the weights next to your items, is a good way to just check yourself and you don't want to be like a buddy of mine, Sean, who brought an ax on hit the trip. <laughs> and let's just say the ax didn't make it to the end of the trip. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the ax was uh, left, um, on the mountain. We actually named the mountain ax head mountain, uh, on our four day backpacking trip in Yosemite. Uh, so uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say this It's supposed to be leave no trace, but Hey, it's all materials that were a part of the world prior. So, you know, you've got a steel ax head and, and a wooden handle. I think, I think it's okay. And hopefully a nice logger man found it and was able to cut some trees. Um, all right, let's, <laughs> let's move on Sean to, I think a good one to talk about in conjunction with this week would be level of effort. Mm-hmm.
1: Agreed. Yeah. So like that's, that has to go with like exactly what you were talking about with the Timberline. Like I just looked it up on alltrails.com, right? And, you know, it says it's a 41.4 mile heavily trafficked loop trail near Rhododendron, Oregon, that features a waterfall and is rated as difficulty or is rated as difficult. So that's, that is a key resource to figure out is the level of effort that's going to be required for Mm -hmm. the trip.
0: Hundred percent, and and altitude as well is going Ooh. to weigh into that, uh, and it's kind of all comes together when you talk about altitude and terrain. So the good thing about the Timberline Trail, Sean, is that it's it's part of the PCT at points, mm-hmm. so that's why it's really trafficked on the PCT. But additionally, it is a well trafficked trail system. The Timberline Trail it veers off of the PCT uh, towards the north. And heads uh, south, so or sorry, not southeast. Excuse me, to go around and circumnavigate uh, Mount Hood, but it's still very nice swooping trail. It's very well cleared, so that actually helps. It is altitude, but it's not like you're scrambling over rocks and just killing yourself with the full load. And that is another thing you want to take into account. You know, altitude, how high you're getting. Anything over 10,000 feet, it's going to be very hard. So that's going to take more time, probably double the amount of effort, actually, uh, compared to a nice, easy. um, Well, again, anything over 4,000 is not necessarily easy, but uh, I think this ranges from about five to seven, Sean, the Timberline Mm -hmm. Trail. And it's a nice trail that's been well maintained. And that's a key to make so it more experience
1: a, gr- a better experience. Yeah, that's, that's very key. I know I did a backpacking trip a few years ago with some friends from high school and they, they were experienced backpackers. I was not, I was, this was my first real trip and I neglected to pay attention to altitude before I got there. So the trail started at, just under 9,000 feet. at did Paiute Pass up in the Sierras. Wow. And it starts at just about 9,000 and goes up to 11,417 feet. And so we spent a night at 10 and a night at 11 and a night at 11 and a half. And I will say I got some nightly altitude sickness while I was up there. I mean, some of the clearest air, like the night sky was beautiful. But uh, I think about that high, there's only about 50 to 60% of the oxygen. And I got some pretty gnarly altitude sickness. So something to keep in mind is not just altitude, like of the trail, like, you know, you're going to go up 400, come down 500, go up 400, come down 500. It's also understanding where does the trail start? Where does the trail end? Because I thought my head was going to explode for like three straight days. It was a beautiful Oof. trip and I would never, I never say I regretted it, but I wish I would paid attention to the altitude before I got there.
0: Oh man, that's rough. Yeah, no, I've heard that the Sierras are absolutely gorgeous, but yeah, there's Mm -hmm. some altitude up there, man. I mean, it's no joke. Uh, So, yeah, (laughs) I I like that kind of segue (laughs) into our our next point, which is tell people where you are going and for how long. And I'm sure you did this on that one, Sean. You also Mm -hmm. went with people, which I think kind of goes along with it. If you're new to backpacking, you know, it's good to tell people where you're going and for how long, but try and bring a buddy. Because it, this is something, you know, we, we're city people. I mean, we, we dwell in the city. We don't know animals. I mean, Sean, I don't know if you've seen that viral video that came out a year ago in Utah, of the runner getting chased by the yep. mountain lion. Yeah. That was crazy. Is, is that not terrifying? <laughs> holy holy. terrifying? I mean, and that thing is like, does not care at all. In fact, I did you, I did not know it moved like that, man.
1: Yeah, they were, they're crazy stealthy. But yeah, definitely having somebody... It, it's good just to have somebody with you. It's really good if you can have somebody who's already familiar with backpacking or the area itself. You know, like someone who's maybe had done that trip before. That's like... That's magic. If you can find somebody like that, hang on to them. Be their best friend. Because <laughs> they, they will be huge, hugely important resources for you in knowing what you can and can't do. And so I, I recommend... Definitely try and go with a buddy if you can, uh, at least until you have some experience under your belt in terms of knowing what you can and can't do. Perfect.
0: So that concludes the planning section of our must-have. You got to have a plan, and a lot goes into it. So we can uh, contact us at How To Hobby, and we will let you know what we do and how we do it to plan a nice trip because it's always fun to get out there and enjoy creation. But let's jump into our next must have topic which is the backpacking gear portion you've been waiting for it you want to know what we're bringing everybody i mean it's there's a reason why it's the number one most watched thing on youtube (laughs) it's not exactly the number one but it's it's there those videos on youtube about backpacking gear are very popular so let's get into the first thing that you need sean and that is a backpack to carry all your goodies I have a, a a Deuter 65 liter uh, and I believe it, it's a plus 10, so it can go up to it has like the sheath of material that comes mm-hmm. up and can go up to like 75 if I really want to. But that for me has been great for anything from a long two day where I'm just I just want to bring a lot of stuff because. It's always fun to break all the gear out to, <laughs> always. yeah, to you know, four to five days. I mean, I could, I could easily use that pack for, you know, week long trips and just resupply. So it's been great. And I've read a lot on the forums. They always say that 65 is kind of the, where the one that you would want anything above that can be a little too big and anything below you're kind of going into the lightweight hiking methodology, which is a whole different egg to crack. Um so we'll we'll just stick for the purposes of this one. That nice middle of the road. I like the 65. What do you
1: like? Uh I actually have an Osprey 70, and I really, really like that pack. Uh it's Osprey is a great brand. They have a lifetime warranty. Uh if you basically <gasps> if if you're back if your pack I don't know. If your back, breaks. On it. If your back <laughs> breaks. Let's say a wild animal, a uh, squirrel gets into your backpack and tears something up or eat something in it. Osprey will replace that for you. If a strap breaks, they'll replace it for you for a lifetime. And they won't just replace it. You can mail in a 10-year-old backpack and they'll mail you a new one if it had anything wrong with it. Their warranty service is absolutely out of this world. So that, that was what I got. I got my Osprey at REI. Oh yeah. Osprey
0: is the brand for, I have their Osprey Talon 22 as my day pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is definitely my go-to. I have it set up as like a, uh, go do anything bag. So anytime I'm going to go out, but yeah, they call it the almighty guarantee, any reason, any product, any era. Come on guys. It's, it's, it's a no brainer, but I went, I went deuter or what well, I don't even know how, to, <laughs> I don't know how you say it, but I have a, an Osprey too, Sean. They are great. Yeah, they are. So this is one that's really interesting to me. Um, you get the second most important thing on our list here is hiking shoes or boots. And I kind of want to talk to Sean about this one because it's something that I am constantly evolving. And it feels like on my methodology behind the shoes, because obviously, Sean shoes have weight Mm
1: -hmm. and the
0: heavier shoes you have, the, the more weight you're actually pulling around on your feet, um, which is not super exciting. Um, when it goes up to that two and a half or three pound of, of, of shoes. And I, I found personally, I'm actually running, I'm, I'm getting ready. I just got some ultra, uh, trail running shoes that I'm going to start trying for most of my hiking three season
1: stuff. Nice. So I, I know. So I I spent a lot of time trying to figure out heavy shoe versus light shoe. For me, with my body size and I have ankle issues, I went with a I can't remember the brand. I keep them in my car. Uh I went with a high ankle Hiking boot. They're a little bit heavier, but uh, I did that so I could have ankle protection. When I did my first trip to the Sierras, I wore just regular old New Balance tennis shoes, and because I didn't know any better, (laughs) and uh, my ankle, I constantly was rolling my ankle, stepping off rocks on the, the flat ground, or just whatever it was. So I went the route of I know it's heavier, but I need that protection for my ankles to to make sure I'm healthy and I enjoy the trip. So I went with heavier boots that have high ankles.
0: Nice. No. And, and everybody has their flavor. That's the beautiful thing about this mm-hmm. world of hiking and, and backpacking and gear. And that's why they're so, those videos are so popular because everybody has a different way of looking at it. I had the Moab vent Two, which is like my all time favorite, just standard. I do do the low, the low top, um, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of unique. A lot of people like at least the mid, um, but I don't really feel that I'm losing out on anything and there it, it, I shed some of the weight. So that's kind of nice. Um, so yeah, let us know what hiking shoes you like in, uh, in, on our website, send us a, we'd love to hear what kind of hiking shoes you prefer, but let's jump into this next one, Sean. And that's the next thing you need. It's pretty important to keep yourself safe at night and that's the shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a number of things, a number of shelter types that we can talk about. Uh, the first one being the standard tent and I have a lightweight three season, big Angus tent, which is amazing. It was a little bit pricey. I got it again. Um, you know me, I'm 50% off, man. So I found it at a discount. Uh, and I had to pull the trigger. I was like, babe, this is, this is a great tent. I think, yeah, I think it retails for like 50 or something and uh, I got Big it I
1: guess' expensive
0: yeah I got it for just a little over 200 I was like okay I'll I can do that <laughs> I can do that um so that that thing is awesome and it it's the first time I've ever had a nice I'm like the Coleman guy uh that's normally what I would always hike with but mm-hmm. again to sh- to save the weight it's it's a no-brainer I mean it just now I can have that 10 for practically life if I take care of it and from bike packing to backpacking to really anything, uh, it's going to do me well, but yeah, why don't we talk about this? Well, you, you have a tent. Are you, and before we, I don't want to spoil this, but what do you prefer? Are you a, a tent guy, a hammock guy? Uh, what's kind of your flavor in this one?
1: I, if you were to just go out anywhere for me, it'd be tent. Uh, I like the protection, the weather protection, the bug protection too, is pretty big. When I, I did a, a backpacking trip to, uh, Scorpion Island off of Santa Cruz, it's part of the Channel Islands and the ferry dropped me off at one end. And then I, you know, you hike and, you know, camp backpack all over to the other end of the island. And then three days later, the ferry comes and picks you up. And the first night I was there, I decided to forego, a tent, and I slept on a sleeping pad and a and a sleeping bag because it was during the Perseid meteor shower, and we were in the middle of the ocean, so there was no light for like a hundred miles. Oh, and so it was like the sky was falling. It was the craziest experience of of my life up to that point. It was middle of the ocean on an island, no tent and a sleeping bag, middle of the night watching the sky fall. It was absolutely nuts. And then. Dude the second night we were there i also decided to forego the tent because i was like ah i don't need a tent you know i'm gonna look at the stars again horrible decision because it started raining in the middle of the night and none of us had prepped for that and so we're all (laughs) sleeping in our tents and it starts raining and none of us are wanted 1 a.m to get up and build a tent so we just kind of you know, cinch our sleeping bags down and kind of roll over so that the rain's hitting the tent or hitting the sleeping bag. (sighs) Horrible decision because what you'll learn the hard way if you decide not to set up a tent is that if it starts to rain, your sleeping bag is a great place for the bugs to hide out so they can keep dry. And so I woke up with spiders crawling on me, ants. I had grasshoppers in my uh, sleeping bag. I woke up with something like 15 spider bites throughout the night. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a comically horrible decision. So wow. uh, if you, yeah. So if you ask me uh, if, if it's going to be another night, no rain, middle of the ocean, I'll sleep out, you know, I'll sleep in a, a sleeping bag, no problem, but anything else tent. Cause I hate bugs. I hate bugs that crawl. I can't do it. And so tent provides that protection yes well and
0: I, I just don't know I'm actually torn because I've done both now at this point mm-hmm. I've done tent and hammock I have both I have the eno hammock with the with the uh rain fly so I kind of can make a nice a decent shelter and it's pretty cool mm-hmm. because you can pull it all the way down to the edges and then be up in like the canopy uh, off the ground and it's it's Pretty nice, uh, but I'm kind of with you. That the nice thing about having the tent and you being able to put like your backpack and shelter, yeah, uh, well, and have shelter to like change is kind of nice because changing in a hammock is really hard. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's like cold at night usually, so you don't want to just be dropping trout out in the middle of the, the forest um, when it, at least when it's like cold in spring. I don't really like doing that, but anyway, some people do. It just depends. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting debate and one that will continue to be made and done over the over the next millennium. So figure out what flavor likes for you guys. You know, either I would I would recommend renting either a tent or borrowing a tent or just, as Sean said, finding a buddy who has a -hmm. tent to sleep in and figure out, do I like this? Do I not like this? One of my buddies, uh, his thing is he likes to bring his shoes in the tent which for mm. me and my family is like a cardinal <laughs> sin yeah I, that's like,
1: a no no that's a no no it cracks me up
0: every time <laughs> i see them at the bottom and i'm like i don't really make a big stink about it at night like i'm just kind of like oh here it goes but then in the morning i always like give them i always rib them a little bit like dude like come on man like why are you bring this <laughs> the, the boots in the tent man it's not it He's like, dude, I don't want them to be outside, but they're going to get something on. And I'm going, yeah, that's why you pull the flap. See mine over here. And I like show them where my (laughs) shoes are. And I just don't even uh, Anyway, I don't want to get into it too much, but I just rib them a little bit. And it's always funny. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's move into now the sleep system, which is a part of this shelter, which we're gonna. We, we've talked about it. We talked about this with ham, with camping, um, and you're gonna want to have a nice sleeping pad and a decent sleeping bag. And what? And decent sleeping bag. To me, Sean says it's rated for the temperature you know you're going to be in. Correct. That is decent. Uh, I actually have a 15 degree for my three season work. So whether any time of year. I just run that and I just take off clothing inside, depending on how cold it is. And obviously you can just, the thing that people forget, I think is you can literally just unzip it as much as you want and be literally open to the, to the cold air. So, you know, I I would always say, or right now I would say 15 or 25 or 20, somewhere in that range for most, again, we're in Southern California, it gets really cold, Sean.
1: it's it gets frozen
0: it gets, it gets frozen out there and I, i'm frozen i'm, I'm frozen my rastafarian nane's off
1: so i know i do know laguna can get some can get cold in the winter <sighs> but uh it's because it snows up there a little bit but it's Bro, pretty it was, rare it was like
0: 27 degrees <sighs> this last weekend when i went up there in the morning good lord yeah that's what well that's what my buddy told me his car told him that i said i don't know if i believe it because i was full ninja <laughs> mode and i was just like we're getting up we're gonna go mountain bike this trail it's gonna happen i was all happy and i put on my hood my outdoor research hood you know mm-hmm. have you seen those and yeah. you just go ninja and it, nothing nothing can stop you then like it's your it, whether you're i was in shorts <laughs> so, but but anyway i survived it was totally fine. That's before the sun comes up, of course, ladies and gentlemen, I'm I'm sure you're wondering. So what what kind of sleeping bag do you have, Sean?
1: So I just have a standard 15 degree from REI, no big name brand. It was what was, I think on clearance at the time, because that's all I could really afford, but it's a great little sleeping bag. Uh, It's kept it warm. I run really, really hot. So for me, I don't care if it's 30 degrees outside or 15 degrees outside. I'm probably sleeping with a leg out. I can't, I can't do it. Um, So I I didn't want to go any colder. Uh, I wasn't really going to be going anywhere with (laughs) snow and like negative degrees, but uh, yeah, so I just have a standard, I think it's a 15. It might be a 20. I can't remember, but it was whatever Aria I had on clearance at the time. And it served me really, really well. Uh, It's, it's all I really need. And then my sleeping pad, I had a, fold up. It was a corrugated sleeping pad. Again, I bought from REI for pretty cheap. It was okay. Didn't really serve me all that well. And so a few years back, I was walking through Costco and found that they had one that was a a self-inflating sleeping pad. And so it has rubber in there that almost acts like a spring. So you roll it out and you open the vent and it actually inflates itself with air. And then you close the vent and it's amazing. I mean, that thing, nice. that thing is great. So, and I think it was Very like cool. $24.99 at Costco. So they there are some good uh, affordable options out there for sleeping pads. But I think it's kind of up to whatever you want as a person, whether you want something thinner, thicker, heavier, lighter, it's something to experiment with. For sure.
0: And and I'll tell you a little, little tip trick here, Sean, because... Mm-hmm. I have found that regardless, I've done some like four early, early, early three season stuff. So, you know, borderline, there was a night when I was in Yosemite, it was in the twenties. Uh, and I had my 15 degree bag and it was totally, totally fine. I don't think you're, (laughs) I think I'm kind of with you. I don't know if you're ever going to find yourself unless you're going to like the Himalayan, Himalayan (laughs) mountains or somewhere really out there from the U S it's, kind of hard to get down in the, in the teens and who's really going out in the teens. I don't know. Um, additionally, I am a big believer in the Merino wool sleeping gear mm-hmm. and stuff changes the game. The last time I was out, it was, I think low thirties and I just had my beanie on, I have like socks and some leggings and, and a shirt my goodness, it made such a difference. I slept like a baby. It was amazing. But yeah, that actually leads into our next point, which is our cool slash hot weather gear that we're going to recommend because you kind of need it all for backpacking. It's a little different than camping or car camping. You need to kind of plan and have a wide array of gear. So starting with the windbreaker or waterproof layer, uh, I don't, I guess there's a difference, Sean. Do you, do you know there's a difference
1: between these two? I think it comes down to, for me, the, the difference of windbreaker versus waterproof layer is windbreaker goes on me. So to me, windbreaker is is wind and water, but it's also important to have possibly some sort of waterproof layer for your gear. So I know like my Osprey came with a waterproof layer that you unfold and you can pop over the back of your backpack. Mm-hmm. And that, that can be really crucial if it's going to be raining pretty hard, because like we said in the top of the episode, weight matters. Weight is super critical and the heavy, the wetter your, your gear gets, the heavier it's going to be. So if you know, you're going to be <laughs> sleeping, you're going to be walking in the rain for a hot minute I'd recommend having some sort of cover to throw over your backpack so it doesn't get super heavy. And then, you know, that even goes into waterproof layers of where you're going to be sleeping. Can't, are you, are you elevated off the ground in case, you know, you have to sleep somewhere where it's wet there. There's just some other things there. So windbreaker for me, like a nice light windbreaker jacket, they weigh next to nothing. And they're great waterproof layers, but also something for your gear too.
0: That's great. Yeah. I just got myself, uh, an 80 liter, uh, kind of like backpack cover from REI just mm-hmm. in case. Cause I'm going to Oregon you know how Oregon is. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's rainy all the time. So I definitely wanted to make sure I had that. Um, that's great, man. I just have a standard, uh, waterproof. I I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's, it follows that same suit, like windbreaker mm. slash waterproof, uh, mountain hardware jacket. And it's done well. I've, I actually did some backpacking in Southern Colorado and, uh, it rained three out of the four days. So and it, it worked well. I mean, it, it's definitely muggy. It's muggy hiking. But yeah, find something that 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 you work, go on outdoorgearpatrol.com, uh, or sorry, outdoorgearresearch.com. Definitely they have a great array of different tons of different, I mean, I'm pretty sure Sean, they do break it down, windbreakers versus waterproof jackets Mm -hmm. like there's there is a difference in the category so go on there nerd out a little bit but don't nerd out too hard listeners but let's jump into the next one which is very 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 important especially for southern california and that is your down jacket layer um it, it, it becomes sort of a system you have your windbreaker your waterproof layer that goes over your down jacket at night and those kind of insulate and work with one another as sort of a it's a beautiful thing. It just works perfectly, but yeah, having a down layer to have when you're out in the wilderness, you, you think you always think, Oh, it's not going to get that cold, but surprisingly your body just is not, I mean, Sean, you know me, I'm like skin and bones over here. I don't have much to, (laughs) I need every layer I can get uh, to stay warm out there. So for me, it's, it's a no brainer.
1: For me, I know that uh, down, down isn't, it's critical for me. I run hot, and I know I have a little bit less uh, bone than you do, John. I guess <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, so that that is something that it's really nice when it gets really cold, and something to remember. Depending on where you're going, so the train. So like a lot of the hiking, if you're trying to get like backpacking in Southern California, is going to be desert. And something to remember is everyone sees the desert as oh god it's hot no clouds no rain, but what you don't remember is that it may be 85 in a day and then get to 32 at night because there's no clouds to hold that heat and there's nothing the sand's not going to hold it. So you can drastically shift from really hot to really cold before you even know it. And having a, you know if you leave your house like oh it's going to be 85 90 today I'm fine. Pay attention to the night whether that down layer will be more crucial than you think it is.
0: Yeah. it always switches when you're trying to set up camp and, and, or eat dinner. And you're literally, you're, you just were sweating for five or six hours, depending on how long you've been hiking and your body works as a great air conditioner, even when you don't want it to. So you just start freezing real quick uh, when these temperature switches happen. I mean, Sean's right. So just, just keep that in mind. It's very important, but let's talk about uh, another thing that's important to have in the arsenal, which is uh, a a shirt of some sort. And I don't think we really need to go over this very in depth at all. Sean Mm -hmm. get, get some type of fitness, active related shirt. Uh, You know, technology has come a long way, really anything from Amazon to REI to anywhere you're going to be able to take it. I mean, who cares? Honestly, I don't, uh, I think the, the outermost layers are more important, but people nerd out on, on it. You won't hear from us here at how to find a shirt that works, uh, exactly. jumping down to the lower half of the body, which is either a pair of hiking pants, shorts, or tights. And there, there is people out there that like the, the tight movement. They, they, they wear an athletic pair of shorts, um, and, and a pair of leggings underneath that. I think it just it's lightweight. It feels good. And I guess at any type, you know, depending on if it's cold, if it's warm, it's a good regulator. I I personally use hiking pants, Sean. I have a pair of Prana hiking pants. Um, And I think that's what I prefer just because it keeps me like less things from getting up in my legs. Mm -hmm. I think when you're kind of running around like a crazy maniac, like I do, I just, I have a tendency to get into some briar bush or something and, and I'm scratching my, my legs up. And you saw the damage when I started mountain biking, I'm wearing shorts for mountain biking. It's, <laughs> it's
1: <not pretty. laughs> you're getting wrecked.
0: <laughs> I'm getting wrecked. I need, I was just thinking about it. I need to get a pair of knee pads or something, but uh, yeah. What do you prefer?
1: I, I've I've my whole life. And I think the rest of my life will be a shorts guy. I personally hate wearing pants uh, I think that pants are evil and <laughs> I, am I'm a shorts guy. Um, if it's going to be colder when I'm out, even just on a walk, maybe I'll wear pants, but generally for me, it's shorts. Uh, I do find that my legs do get scratched up if I'm trying to, uh, off road a little bit, if you want to call it that. <laughs> uh, but for me that that's a, a sacrifice I'm willing to make so I can have comfort. Uh, the, thing to remember though is if you're going to be hiking in shorts to make sure you apply sunscreen to your legs because you may not think of your legs like when you apply sunscreen you think your face your arms your neck your legs will get burnt if you're wearing shorts and you're out in the sun so that's my words of wisdom from someone who uh peeled for like three weeks after my trip to the Sierras because I forgot to wear sunscreen. So I'm, I'm a shorts guy. All
0: right. Well, I like it. I can get behind it. I've done it from time to time. Uh, but I'm not there yet. I'll, I'll have to take your word and maybe try it out a couple times times. I might bring him to Timberline. Honestly, I'm not, I'm, I'm still not decided on pants versus shorts. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you know. So the next two things, it's pretty self-explanatory again, ladies and gentlemen, we want to keep moving here, gloves and beanie. Uh, just, just a nice thing to have when it starts to get a little cool, the, your head radiates more heat than anything else on your body. You lose yep. a lot more than you'd ever think. So having a beanie to cover up that noggin, save the melon. Uh, it's really nice. And gloves, I find again, to be very useful in the morning when you're like literally shaking, trying to like (laughs) get food and things done and, and pack up and it's cold in the high Sierras because that does happen. Um, so yeah, just not, I, well, I guess it just depends. Sean, do you have both or what, what is your thought?
1: Uh, I do, I will do gloves if, I, if it's going to be cold, cold. Uh, when I did the trip to Sierras, I wish I had had a beanie too, because the nights were freezing at 12,000 feet. They were so cold and dry. And I wish I had had something more than what I did, but I've also never really been a beanie guy. So I think that's kind of up to personal preference, but um, something to also think about is when you're on a long hike, you're backpacking. Sometimes those good little morale boosters can be a huge deal to making the trip more enjoyable. So if it's going to, if you're looking at nights that are going to be really cold, I would be, for me, I'd be willing to sacrifice a little bit of weight to get some instant hand warmers or feet warmers, things mm. like that. Uh, because I mean, if, if it's your first one of your first trips and it's going to be cold, that little boost to your morale will be huge in enjoying the trip.
0: No, that's great. I, I love that. And I haven't done it yet. But when, when I do Sean, I'll think of you for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, that, that concludes the hot slash cool or yeah. Hot slash cool weather gear that we, we view as very important and a must have here at the how to hobby podcast, but we're going to jump into the next big ticket item that is water and food for your, for your trip. You got to stay. Not only do you need to have things to cover up your body and keep you warm and healthy, but you gotta have some food and water to put it in and uh, put those miles in. So we're gonna break it down here. I think it's very necessary to have a water bladder uh, and water purifier combo when on the trail. Um, some people, there's a lot of different flavors, definitely go out there, do, do some research and see what uh, what works for you. For me, it just I feel that the water bladder is easier to handle when out on the trails, one thing versus having like four water bottles to be constantly Mm -hmm. filling at every stream crossing. You can carry, I have a three liter, uh, camelback, which is great. It has a handle that I can hold while I'm pumping and just like, it just, it just, it's a little bit, I know people, a lot of the lightweighters out there will say, Oh, but I could just bring my Sawyer squeeze and, and a couple bottles and I'm good. And I'm going, Oh, well, Story squeeze is cool. I don't have that yet. I have the, uh, catadine hiker for the water purifier, which is a pump nice. system. I think it does a number of liters a, a minute or something. I haven't looked up the exact spec in a while, but it gets the job done and that's just important to me pushes it through a carbon seal. And I feel good about what I'm drinking. And I haven't gotten sick yet, Sean. So knock on wood.
1: Um, yeah. What what are you, are you water bladder, water purifier? Yeah. So I usually carry, this is actually the Nalgene bottle I bought for that first trip I did to, uh, the Sierras. That's oh. how long I've got that one. Um, so I, I really like having an Nalgene bottle because it's so versatile. Uh, you know, you can put boiling water in here if you're cold. Uh, you know, it could be used as a weapon if you needed to. <laughs> um, but like it, it's it's my favorite, <laughs> my favorite bottle uh, is an Nalgene. And then I usually carry some sort of other water pack. So either like a Camelback pack or, or an additional Nalgene bottle, something like that. Um for water purification I don't have a filter the few times I've been backpacking I've been with somebody who did okay. but I know another really good uh option and I found this in uh Eastman's Journal Hunting Magazine um is uh the Aquamira Droplet system that uses chlorine dioxide that's yes. their actual tablets too that can help purify water and those are really lightweight so that could be another option if you don't want to to spend the money on a filter or the weight you can just buy some chlorine dioxide tabs and you can soak yes. your water
0: that way too. I actually have some of those myself. I need to do I need to put them through their paces. I haven't done mm-hmm. that yet. I I would like to so I'm I'm gonna put that on the list to ditch the, the the purifier for a second. But now let's talk about uh the food system uh how we're gonna cook up stuff so uh for me Sean I have a Tox. I think it's a 750 milliliter camp cup that fits a four ounce, uh, bottle of isopro fuel and nice. my mini BIC and my, uh, my burner, which is a BSR 3000. I believe it's like a, it's like a $15 burner. It's five grams. Um, it's, it's insane. It's like the, it's less than, I think it's the weight of a nickel. Um, Let me, let me see if I can find it here. BSR 3000. I'm going to, I'm going to laugh if it's, if it's like, if it's not on here, um, ultra light titanium miniature. So it's $16 on Amazon right now, ladies and gentlemen, go out, check it. 26 grams. Sorry. I said five. Wow. 26 grams. This thing is, all you need ever. It's amazing. Titanium. I got mine for $11 from China, Sean. It was amazing. I got a steal Uh, and uh, took, took about two weeks to get. uh, And I think I talked about this on the camping episode. So sorry listeners. If you're like, John, what do you, I've heard this stop. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so all of that is contained in my 750 milliliter cup, which is awesome. And I, I just keep it all in there. It's part of my, my food system. And for me, I choose right now, I'm rocking the uh, dehydrated meals, um, which I'm using the backpackers pantry. Uh, And that's what I've been, I'm planning on taking this trip. I've done the bring your own as well. And Mm -hmm. it's a lot of planning, but it kind of works as like additionally, and, you know, I, I I don't know. I might still choose to bring some nights of my own food and then maybe some. But this is going to be a lot of miles and heavy elevation. So it's I, I think I'm going to need the calories and need the yeah, need the full full meals.
1: When you bring yeah, your no, own, I,
0: it's, it's yeah. a little less calories, I feel like.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's, it's not. It, I think the key is, to pay attention is calorie per ounce so you're going to get a lot higher calorie account from per weight if you're doing like nuts and oils you'll be able to get high energy but in small weight versus cooking your own meal which may have a lot of unnecessary weight versus the caloric intake that you need to Mm -hmm. have the energy so that's something to think about too that's why dehydrated meals are really popular because you can just fill them with water at the campsite and you can still get your caloric intake but uh i know i've done mountain house uh, oh yeah in the past, and the the classic mountain house um the one thing to be cautious of is there are some recipes of dehydrated meals out there that uh can mess with people's stomach if you have a, a more sensitive stomach, so uh I know that some people have issues with that, so yeah, um, test can, your food <laughs> clear test test your food, camp out in the backyard and give it a shot before you go
0: i'm gonna I'm gonna bring yeah. some on our on our camping trip coming up here Sean and uh I'm going to try them out. So I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. That would not be fun. Um, no. But then again, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be exciting. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, let's move on. So that's our water slash food setup. It's pretty simple. Um, you want to keep it less is more when it comes to this, when we've been talking for, I think 40, 45 minutes on, on this at the <laughs> moment. Um all right, let's move into some of the things that are nice to have around the camp. So I'm just going to roll through these quick, Sean, if you're OK with that. Go Headlamp. Headlamp is great uh, for the various things. It keeps your hand free and you you don't need a mag light. We talked about this in the camping section. Fire starter, first aid map, a watch of some type, whether it's a Garmin or uh, just a standard watch. It's nice to know the time. Nice to know. Nowadays, I do have the Coros Apex Pro, which is pretty cool. It's a tracker and it, it knows my elevation game, how many miles I've done and what I'm doing per hour, which is nice. It's nice, nice. to know your pace right on your wrist. I, I I can say it. I've been a, I'm like a hardcore standard watch guy, <laughs> but uh, having that little bit of extra data does help a little bit when you're trying to keep goals up. Um, and then wet wipes. And we've talked about all of this in the camping episode. So if you want to hear more about these items, then move on to the camping episode and check it out. But for the for the purposes of this, we're going to move into how to get it. Um, and that is something that is pretty pretty self-explanatory these days. Um, but we me and Sean wanna wanna bring some value to this segment. As we always try to, camping and backpacking is something that is expensive, and I think a lot of people see the cost barrier there and they just get, they're like, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to commit. But I think Sean said at the beginning, like, start small, and maybe even start with car camping first. To to you know, you can just get start picking them off. It's like a good tool. You you go with the cheap brand first. Or the cheap type of that tool, and then as you re, as it breaks, or you realize, oh, I need to, I needed to do this better. You can get the more expensive one, and and there's no reason to just like not be able to get out in the wilderness because the cost of entry. So use the used market, no pun intended. REI used is a great resource. They're constantly bringing in more and more gear. Um, there's a lot of gray market stuff out there. Backcountry used to be mine. Uh, but unfortunately, now they've gone pretty mainstream. Uh, it, it's been impressive. I'm happy for the company. But their deals used to be a lot better back, I think, two or three years ago when I was buying my stuff, Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what where's been kind of your spot to go and get the stuff?
1: Yeah. So for Gear. It's always been REI one because of their return policy, their customer and two, their customer service. Three, it's, it's super convenient because everything you could possibly need is located in one area. So that's, that's where I would go to get things like stoves and uh, the, the hardcore gear that you're going to need to go the, to, to get everything else, clothes, food, uh, anything like that i would go generally to stores like target walmart costco grocery stores um, i wouldn't you know spend the extra money rei to get those more kind of expendable income or expendable uh, like uh, resources uh, i would go somewhere smaller so uh, rei for gear is where i usually go that's where about all of my camping and backpacking gear and then i've got all of my food from from grocery stores target walmart's a great resource they have significant amount of of items for pretty cheap and you can buy them online, have them shipped to your house. It's great. Amazon, obviously you can buy almost anything on Amazon nowadays. Uh, Just make sure you read through the customer reviews first.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And don't blow yourself up with the BRS 3000 (laughs) because that was one of the reviews that I saw. And it was like, (laughs) it was like step one, bought BRS 3000 step two, put it on my fuel. Step three, blew myself up step 4 <laughs> priceless end up in the hospital and he like put one star and i went well you know it is kind of a regulator buddy so if you just <laughs> if you do it in the wrong way <laughs> like it's, you might not <laughs> and it she had like a picture like like shrapnel and there was like a oh like the God. part of the can was i think it dude it had to have been a just a, a farce there's no way but then again i i'm not going to put it past him uh, but that really cracked me up. And I just went, I think I'm going to get this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing.
0: Yeah, it was one of the best Amazon reviews I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> so I decided to go for the uh, Chinese website, the sketchy Chinese website. Use your if you're going to do what I do, which is go to all the really sketchy websites to get the stuff that's like half, if not more off. Just get a good credit card that is going to cover your, uh, I have the chase freedom, highly recommend, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're not here to talk to you about credit cards. Let's talk about how to get out, Sean, and do this thing to the Mm -hmm. best of your ability. I want to hear your best for the audience tonight. They're, they're waiting in the wings to know what you
1: think. (laughs) I, I think that the greatest start to any backpacking trip is preparation. Like we talked about earlier, you know, your routes, know your mileage, all of that stuff. We've already covered it, but something that is super, super critical. And you'll listen to a lot of people talk about it. Everything from people who are really into hiking and camping and backpacking to people who are in the military is do building your loadout. So the night before or the day before your trip, it's it's called developing your loadout and you lay everything out that you're bringing out in one room in your house and you categorize and make sure you have everything you need any anything you possibly could have to have include in that and then pack your backpack uh and know where everything is and that's super critical because one you make sure you don't forget anything Two, you're, you're very aware of where everything is in your pack. In case you need to access, some, access something quickly, you know where it is. And it also, as you go through these trips and you do your loadouts, you'll start to perfect them. So I mm. need to do this two days before. I need to do this the night before. I can I can include this. I don't need that. And so that the loadout, setting that up is super critical.
0: That's awesome, Sean. I love that. Yeah, usually I'm the nerd that takes a photo of my loadout and then I, I, like I put it, it on... Uh, well, actually I don't normally put it on social. I think I did this last time. I was totally <laughs> a, a nerd about it, but most of the time I just have it. And I like looking at it because they don't look as good as when I see them on social media, when mm-hmm. I do it, it's I'm like, Oh, how do they do it? How do they make everything look so perfect? It's amazing. But practice. yeah. Yeah. Practice. Like you said, they're perfecting their loadout and they perfected mm-hmm. it. So I'm, I'm continuing to perfect mine listeners. Don't worry. Uh, it's not going to look as good as some of those that you see online, but we're all still just trying to do the same thing, which is get out. So the next point we want to bring to your attention is start with a short duration. And that's mainly so that you're not overwhelmed by the process and the journey at, at your, you know, that you're coming to grips with, uh, getting out into the wilderness for more than two days is a little bit scary. And I mean, for a lot of people, even just going out for two days, is going to be very foreign. You're going to be spending two nights potentially out in the field and we're just not used to it. As we said at the beginning of this episode, we're used to kind of having homes that stay warm and regulated and I can control the temperature. And right now in California, it's pretty hot. So Sean's over here baking in his in his room. But uh, yeah, make sure that you. Pick something that is short, reasonable, and that you feel confident about doing. Because when you get out there, the confidence starts to, to wane. And I can say that firsthand. Uh, I've taken a number of trips. My first four-day backpacking trips with friends was, it was Sean. It was, oh my goodness. Everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. We It was early spring in Yosemite. At around 4,000 feet, it was snow. Complete snow, lost the trail, had no idea where to go and how to go there. We ended up just going completely off the grid, like did not know where the trail was. We're going off of topo maps and compasses and nice. just full backcountry mode. Like we saw bear tracks going up the ridgeline, like fresh bear tracks in the snow. Um, we did not have snow gear and snow shoes and all that stuff and it was just an experience that i i look back on and i think yeah i was very confident about the trip that i was going to do i felt good about it but in those moments we were all shaking in our boots and we're getting you know you're you're sliding around in the snow and hitting things like your shins are getting smacked because you're like oh. pushing through like heavy snow and you're hitting rocks underneath because you're we weren't on the trail and man but i'll say this we successfully navigated out on day three with just a topo map and a compass. And I, it was just, it was so freeing mentally, just knowing, oh, wow, this is legit. Like the river was right where it was supposed to be. You know, you have these, these various things that you're keeping in mind, uh, as you're going out, you're looking at these mountain ranges, you're looking at that tree, you're looking at these very, well, maybe not a tree specifically, but, uh, yeah, mountain ranges helped a lot. Rivers, obviously any water source helped a lot to know where you are and, and engage yourself. And you probably learned a lot about that in your orientation,
1: orienteering class. But yeah, um yeah, I learned a little bit of that. But a lot of it's also been learned the hard way too. So <laughs> don't don't like we say, you know, get out there and and fail because it's how you learn and it's how you grow in your hobbies and, and as an individual. It's super critical.
0: And it's super rewarding. So I I have nothing but fond feelings about the trip as a whole. It pushed me. It was, and I'm still doing it. So if that makes you feel any better, don't let this be a, a negative in your, in your, a negative notch in your tool belt. John got, he, he was out there alone and I'm still doing it. Ladies and gentlemen, I love it. So that brings us to our next point, which is leave the phone behind and or put it on airplane mode. Sean and I have talked about this passionately. Just about how important it is, especially if you're doing something right, you're picking a short duration trip, which means it's probably going to be close to home. Closer to home these days means you still got 4G LTE, baby. You're out there Mm -hmm. surfing the the Internet uh, in your in your can in your tents. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's great. Technology is awesome. We're getting more and more connected as as we go further and further out, which is amazing for search and rescue and a number of reasons. There's, it's very good. It saves lives. But if you have a choice, put the airplane mode on Sean. And I'm interested to hear if you have had people that have done this or struggle with doing this and, and what the impact was for the group.
1: I, I haven't had much experience with people struggling with this. Um, the only backpacking trips I've done have been so far away from cell signal but that was only because we were in large groups, or at least there, was, there were three of us, but I was with experienced backpackers. So we felt safe going somewhere where we didn't have cell signal. But um, I know that for me, I, I just I can't disconnect from the world and enjoy the trip if I am always on my phone. Or I know that in five minutes, I, can, I have to look at it. Did I get a text? Did I get an email? What's going on at work? <laughs> So I think it's super critical to if you don't want to leave your phone behind for safety reasons, I totally understand, you know, put it on airplane mode if you can at a minimum. Do not disturb that way that you don't get notifications every time something comes in. But uh, I would recommend focusing on what you're doing, not where not back home.
0: That's perfect, Sean. And what a great way to end the episode here. It has been a pleasure once again, ladies and gentlemen, breaking you bringing you through our standard way of conquering every hobby. This was backpacking and we enjoyed it tremendously. Sean, you are the table man. And I'm telling you, you have so much knowledge packed into that, that mind of yours. I love it. I love hearing from you, but we want to hear from you as well. Listeners Sean is watching the comms like a hawk. I'm telling you, email us at how at gmail.com or reach out to us on Instagram at HowToHobbyPodcast. hobby podcast. We will get back to you. We want to hear from you and see how you're doing your hobbies elsewhere around the world. So with that, we're going to be signing off for the night. Thank you so much for listening tonight. We hope to have you along for the ride on the next episode of how to hobby and Sean, man, you take care.
1: You too. Thanks, John.